The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. For Dharma practice days, and we'll start with a period of short period of silent meditation, and then into that meditation, I'll at some point do a little guided meditation, and then after that, I'll do the formal welcome for the day. As we continue this sitting, I'd like to evoke a particular quality of being. It may be through the word or the associations you have with it or memory. Something will become alive in you in relationship to this concept. So the word is simplicity. Simplicity of being. What is it like to sit here and be simple about what is? Is there some pleasure or some value in allowing yourself to be simple with this moment without a lot of things to do or get or get rid of or without much or any judgments about how things are? Just to be here, simple,
And perhaps taking a few moments to tune into your breathing in a simple way, just to breathe. Be aware of breathing. The body breathes in and breathes out. And no matter how your breathing is, whether it's comfortable or not comfortable, to be simple with that. To be simple with how things are, at ease. Breathing in and breathing out. And then another concept, an idea for the moment, maybe connected to simplicity, is that of tenderness. Being tender. And is there a place within you that you associate with a tenderness of being. Perhaps a tenderness of being that comes from feeling at home in yourself, settled, safe, maybe cozy. There's some place, some way of being where there's a nourishing feeling of tenderness. And if there's some place within that you associate with such tenderness, perhaps you can breathe. Breathe through it, breathe with it. As you exhale, letting your thinking mind become calmer, stiller, breathing with a tenderness.
And then one more concept, quality. And that is the quality of love. Is there some place inside of you that you associate with the feelings, the impulse of love, loving kindness? Perhaps a kind of simple, tender love or affection. That you might feel for a a small child that comes and sits next to you. and Child is kind of happy and contented but wants a little bit of company or that of a pet, contented, happy pet that comes and curls up next to you and you feel a certain tenderness or love or affection. It's very simple. Nothing's required of you. Sit there. Sit and be present. there is a place inside that you associate with love, loving kindness, appreciation, perhaps you can breathe with it, breathe through it. Perhaps as you breathe, you can let your tenderness or your love or affection spread through your body and beyond the edges of your body. A simple state of being or of radiance, simple radiance of kindness or love tenderness. That's supported or fanned on by your breathing. Breathing throughout your body.
And then to end this sitting, gently take some deeper breaths, feeling your body, your chair, the floor. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So welcome to our Dharma practice day. And for those of you who are new, especially welcome. So this is a day where we explore the Dharma, Dharma practice, particular topics uh, in a variety of modes. And it's a little bit the uh, idea that to replicate what happens in traditional monasteries where people practice, where not only do they hear teachings and they meditate and practice that way, but there's lots of chance in the monastery to be in interactions with the other monastics, to be in conversations. Someone, the abbot or abbess teaches something and then uh, later in the day at a meal or something, they, did you hear what she said? <laughs> what do you think of that? Or, you know, that was, you know, quite challenging or that was inspiring or, you know, and then they, and then they have conversations about it and, and, uh, and there, those conversations can be quite meaningful and very important part of the whole process of deepening our practice, the fact that you're pr- practicing in relationship to other people. And so I'll do a little bit of teaching, we'll do some meditation, and there'll be a, a chance to be, be in conversation with each other around some of the, that are on the topic for today. And the topic for day, today is compassion because the series of, of Dharma practice days this year is the Brahma Viharas, the, the sometimes called the divine or sublime abodes. And these are the, I like to think of them as the four kinds of love, which uh, are an intimate or integral part of Buddhist practice. And also an integral part of how Buddhists orient themselves, or try to orient themselves <laughs> to the world around them. They try to uh, respond uh, to the world through these four, loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. And so to understand these four, and to understand when and where each of them are relevant and how to practice them and how to appreciate them um, enriches the life, enriches, enriches anybody's lives. In fact, in the, in the ancient discourses of the Buddha, these four are considered wealth, a form of wealth. And what's very nice about this kind of wealth is that it's portable, and um, thieves cannot take it away from you. So it's, you know, pretty secure as long as you don't give it away or abandon it. So um, the, um, and the way, also the way it's organized these, this, this year is each uh, these four forms of love uh, will do for two months. And this is the first month for compassion. And the way it's divided up those two months is that a little bit more the first month is focusing how 
these qualities are presented in the ancient discourses of the Buddha. And the second month is how they appear in a very important foundational text that from about a thousand years after the Buddha called the Path of Purification. It's a huge manual, kind of practice manual, that is the f- kind of the foundation of Theravadan Buddhism uh, after the book was written, the, the Buddhism of Thailand, Sri Lanka, Burma, and places like that. And the way the practice of the Brahma Viharas is offered in this text is different than how the Buddha taught it. Both have that valuable, but they're different. And some people find they gravitate more towards one way of doing it than the other. They both have their time and place. So, so today is a little bit more the how it's done by the Buddha. So compassion. Um, compassion is a, a beautiful quality that um, uh, grew, grew for me as I engaged in my first years of practice. I was not anticipating or wanting to be com- compassionate. It wasn't really on my radar that that was important. And, um, and uh, so I was surprised at some point when I realized that my early years of practice had compassioned me. And uh, I hadn't gotten very enlightened, but at least I'd gotten compassioned. And, uh, and so which is more important? <laughs> it, was, it was certainly a, a wonderful thing that I came to value. It wasn't, it wasn't even so much that I, uh, I became more compassionate. It's more like I became compassion. It was kind of like, like it kind of came so integrated into who I was. It's kind of like compassion was kind of who I was as opposed to something I had. And, um, and so I was very content with the word compassion. You could describe what, what I was feeling. <clears throat> and it became an exploration for me. Uh, you know, what is, it, what is this compassion? And, and um, I would notice a variety of situations where I would feel compassion. And I became curious, what is this, what's going on here? What's this compassion about and how does it feel? And, and uh, what are the different qualities, aspects of it? How does it appear in different circumstances? And one of the things that I slowly discovered was I discovered situations where uh, when I had a compassionate response to someone and I started feeling really good inside. And I I thought that was kind of odd. And it wasn't situations where people were in great distress, great suffering, but they had need, they had some kind of something. And I would would offer my support. and one of the first times was kind of very simple was <clears throat> I was doing a kind of a nature hike where the terrain was pretty difficult to hike, day hike, with a group of people. And there was a lady who was having trouble getting over the boulders and little small cliffs we had to kind of climb up, six foot cliffs or something. And, um, and so I noticed that she was having a hard time and so I kind of stayed behind and just stayed near her and if she needed a hand or needed a little boost or something. I was just right there to do it. And, uh, and I noticed after a while how good I felt. I said, well, you know, wow. You know, and I kind of maybe, I don't know if I did it for my sake after a while. I just, you know, just like, you know, I want to get this little good feeling so I'll stay here and, you know, give her a boost or something. But I started noticing how, you know, this kind of very uh, warm or happy or feeling throughout my body. And uh, that taught me something about compassion. And it taught me that it was possible to feel um, that compassion isn't only a feeling of distress, but it can come with the feeling of well-being that comes with it. And that kind of opened the door for me to understand compassion in new ways. 
And I think it'll become important as we look at how the Buddha presented um, compassion. Um, the most common word that Buddhists in the West uh, associate with compassion is the Pali word, Sanskrit word karuna. And probably you've heard this, some of you heard the word karuna. <clears throat> but uh, the Buddha had other words for compassion as well. And, um, and he used the word karuna in a very specific way. And it's, a little, it's very surprising how specific he used the word karuna. Um, but he used another word more broadly uh, that he used called anukampa. And kampa means to be moved or be shaken. And ano means in relationship, kind of means in relationship or towards or in relationship to others or something. So it's to be moved towards compassion or moved, uh, moved, moved, uh, kind of sh- sh- be, be moved by what goes on and around you. And the Buddha often talked about anukampa <clears throat> as the kind of the active compassion, the kind of compassion where you would actually go and help someone or intervene and do something. And, and um, he was once, I think, that uh, his disciple Sariputta was being, um, someone was giving him a hard time, I think. And Ananda, another of disciples, was there. And uh, when the Buddha heard what happened, and he heard that Ananda didn't do anything, he said, Ananda, out of, out of Anukampa, out of this being moved by the situation, uh, it would have been good if you'd stepped in and helped, helped Sariputta, intervened or something. So, you know, it's active kind of, you know, caring for others, helping, supporting. And karuna is um, the way that uh, it's presented in the suttas um, is not so active. It, it's not the active side of compassion. So what, what is it if it's not active? If anukampa is the active, and, and that's talked a lot about in the suttas. You don't necessarily see the difference when you read in English because sometimes anukampa is translated as compassion. Sometimes it's translated as sympathy. So what is this, what is this karuna that's not so active and why does it get pride, a certain kind of pride of place and importance and how does it work as a, one of these four forms of love if it's not an active form? Um, so that's kind of part of the, what we'll explore today. Um, so before, uh, I think it would be nice uh, to hear because I, I so the guided meditation that I did just did was kind of meant to set the foundation for what we do today our exploration of compassion so I'm curious to hear from a couple of some, some of you first what, what was that like for you to do that and uh, what was it like and how, what do you in what way do you think uh, that what we did in this guided meditation might be a foundation for exploring compassion I didn't use the word compassion at all and that's Anybody want to offer something? It's nice to hear from a few people. And it kind of also helps set the stage for today to begin hearing a little bit from some of you. What was it like to do that guided meditation when I guided it? And, and what, do uh, you have any, any guesses of why I did that as a foundation? These, these words you use, simplicity, tenderness, it's all the feelings that I continuously want to experience. 
And when you said that, it, 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 I was just telling a friend of mine this morning that I enjoy being with children more than adults, especially in gatherings when everybody talks about politics and, and, and the tenderness I feel and the response I feel from those children. Uh, it just reminds me more and more, you know, what I, I need, I, I want to experience that. That's what I was looking in the children, with children. It's, it's the tenderness they have and they feel it. Uh, they want to be with you and I want to be with them. Um, uh, because it's, it's, it's that kindness and, 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 and that tenderness, the word was just right for me. <laughs> nice. So it, so it evoked it for you sitting here. Yes. And, and, okay, thank you. I'm sorry I missed the first few minutes of the meditation, but I noticed when I sat down and you were saying simplicity and tenderness and just being in a simple way with things, that I don't know exactly why, I can't explain it to myself, but um, suddenly images were coming up from my entire week that felt kind and compassionate. Mm. So they just emerged. So maybe something in the relaxation and simplicity with it helps that. Great, thank you. To Judy. When you suggested simplicity, I was easily attracted to it, and it felt peaceful. And then when you suggested tenderness, I thought, this is maybe the first time I've ever taken the word tender and applied it to myself, an aspect to myself of how I might feel about myself. Um, yesterday I was sitting in a chair and there was a dog and I was petting the dog and, well, I was talking to someone and the dog moved away and so I put my hand on the on the arm of the chair and three seconds later the dog came back and started nuzzling it and then licking it and just wanted it back. And I think of compassion as kind of um, a response to suffering but it can also be a response to, can I just be with you in a safe, soft place? Mm. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I think simplicity and tenderness are such a counterpoint to the society that we live in and what it created in me was just more of a softening and opening and from that a kind of a spaciousness mm-hmm. mm, nice I had this is it, I had this big inner smile when you said simplicity because at this time yesterday I was at Stanford Mall and it seemed very very important that I get just the right Godiva chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the tenderness that you mentioned is uh, something, I guess, that was 
you kind of feel inside yourself for, uh, I guess that's for yourself or anything else. And I think it kind of links to compassion is because you feel that tenderness for the other person that's suffering. Mm. And that's, that's it. Great. Thank you. Great. So maybe one, one, one more here with Anna, please. Uh, when I heard the word simplicity, I thought, oh, my God, what a challenge. Simplicity. <laughs> Talking to the wrong person. Um, so uh, what I felt um, in my life, I'm close to someone who has recently been released from jail about a year ago, and it was a very serious crime. And I went to visit him to see what was what. And he's very slowly and carefully rebuilding his life to make the next, the next part of his life, which is a pretty hard thing to do. And... Uh, I remember talking to someone else later and saying, it's kind of like when I'm driving my car, I usually have all these dramas in my mind. This could go wrong. You know, I, I dramatize my own life. You know, this could go wrong. I'm thinking about all these things. And when I try to come back into just uh, simple awareness, what's actually going on right now instead of all this drama, it was kind of parallel to what he was doing. Like what he's doing is sort of, it almost looks flimsy compared to his history of crime. And uh, actually, just um, being simply aware of what's happening looks flimsy compared to the dramas I create in my mind. You know, so I feel like I'm doing something kind of what he's doing. You know, mm. do you understand? Yeah. So I, I felt that was kind of like, okay, maybe it's kind of humble to do something flimsy and simple. <laughs> The other thing I'd like to do before we get into this further is to uh, have you uh, talk to someone else uh, for, with whatever comes up for you around the, the, the question of what is your relationship to compassion? So before you, uh, you know, I don't want to pollute you with Buddhist teachings <laughs> early on here. But uh, but rather to get it, have you a chance to kind of just speak a little bit, and uh, you don't have to say things that you're not comfortable talking about. And you know, this is just whatever you feel comfortable. But mostly, it's a chance for you to hear yourself. It's not you're not really uh, explaining this, uh, answering this question for the sake of the person who's listening. But it's more like, you know, what is your what is your your relationship to compassion? You know. Uh, where did you learn it or where did you not learn it? Where, where did it come alive for you? Where was it closed up for you? Maybe it's been closed for a long time because of things that happened. Um, uh, what, uh, you know, was there some person in your life that kind of helped you with awaken compassion or see it as valuable? Or um, It's something that you hardly ever think about. It's something you think about a lot and you wish you had more, you wish you had less. Um, just what is your relationship to What comes up in that question? And, um, and I hope it can be a more of a self-exploration. Because that's, uh, and people come here to these Dharma practice studies know, know, this, know this well, that part of the opportunity here is to not get into the usual social mode of talking about things where you're trying to explain to someone else, and certainly not impress someone else, but rather to speak in such a way that you're kind of like exploring and discovering some new parts of yourself. You hear yourself speak. You, you speak longer than you would maybe simply and then you go on and find out more deeply what's there. 
but it also means that it's, um, uh, it, it, you might, in terms of your relationship to compassion, you might tell a story about something that happened, um, like, you know, like some simple, like for me, uh, something that made a big impact on me, it was so small, was that when I was about 10 or 11, I noticed my mother bought a little medical kit to keep, first aid kit to keep in the car. But it, it wasn't for us, but it was so she could stop and help other people who were in accidents. And she would do that because where we, li- where we lived, it, uh, periodically there were accidents and she would stop and uh, offer a little bit. And that, oh, wow, that, uh, that kind of, such a small thing, but the, maybe I was a very formative time in my life and that like, it, it made a big impact. So I could say that very quickly, um, uh, but you know, if I start saying you know, what kind of car she had and how big the kit was and you know, how often she stopped for people, and, you know, at some point you, you know the story really well and so, you know, this is for your sake, not for the listener. That's the kind of conversation. Is that okay? So uh, what I'd like to suggest is that you just sit with one other person and, uh, and each of you will have five minutes just to talk, just in an easy way, kind of a monologue, basically, and just to talk. And the listener's job is to be a witness as you do your exploration. What is your relationship with compassion? And, um, and then I'll ring a bell after a while and... You can sit quietly for a few seconds and then you can switch roles. Um, Any questions about that? And then we'll take a break. Any questions? So I don't know if we're odd or even numbers here, but uh, if you can, uh, if you don't find someone uh, quickly or easily, just walk towards the front, uh, towards me, and then you'll find other people that way. And if if it ends up that we're um, an odd number, I'll uh, ask uh, a pair to have a group of three to do this. Okay, so you can uh, thank your partner and so thank you for those being engaged in those conversations that had a nice feeling to kind of being a witness here for all of it and um, so that hopefully this first session here sets the foundation for our exploration for the rest of the day. And, um, and now uh, probably a good time to take a break. And if you want, you can continue a conversation during the break, but uh, don't wait until the last minute to pee. <laughs> yeah, because you know, it's a long line at the, long line at the very end. So we'll, st- we'll start again in here at 11 o'clock.